Welcome, friend. Have a seat by the fire. Make yourself comfortable. Her last moments of feigned gaiety turned first to confusion, and then terror. The fear rose deep within her chest, gripping the youngest of this infamous murderer's victims with a deathly dread, for she could now see her fate before her, reflected in the hungry eyes of this fiend, and the soon-to-be-exposed heart of Mary Jane Kelly would beat out one final desperate message into the dim shadows of eternity. This client would only be satisfied with blood. You're listening to Campfire Radio Theater. Tonight's twisted tale arises from the pen of Blaine Hicklin and brings to center stage London's modern Whitechapel in its blood-soaked past, a place where perhaps even now some remnant of evil lurks among shadows and historic stone walkways. Our play is called Rip. It wasn't me. You're right, Stephen. You are the worst freaking liar. I can see you moron and it's still in your hand. Okay, okay, whatever. Are you trying to get maced? I'm jumpy enough. (sighs) So you never answered my question. Just because I know a lot about him, it doesn't mean I memorize the streets. But someone in the pub can probably tell us. Plus... We don't want to wander around aimlessly. It's still not the safest neighborhood. That's for damn sure. Can you look it up on your... Oh, my, you know. I don't get the... Reception on your iPhone. All right. Okay, I forgot. And no name calling. You promised. No fights for at least one month. Well, that rule already got broken. From now. One month from now. I want to be the happy couple for at least one month, which is why I agreed to spend our last moments in London wandering around white... Oh, Oh, cut it out already! It hurts my ears, and I know it's you. That is creepy. Stop saying that. Mary Jane Kelly, his last victim, got her to invite him into her flat, took the whole night tearing her up, flayed the skin right off her thighs, cut her heart right out of her chest. Oh, enough, enough. They never found the heart either. The neighbors heard her singing. It's sick, your obsession with this stuff. You know that, right? Can we just not talk about it? I already told you, it freaks me out. Scotland Yard couldn't get a handle on this guy. They came up with all these modern methods. Stuff we use today. Look, scaffolding outside the chapel. Looks like a lot of construction happening. You think they're adding on? Doubt it. It's kind of a landmark. So, there's a million theories like he could have been royalty, or a doctor, or a Polish butcher, or even a German seaman. Ew, you said seaman. You know what I You're meant. totally gross. But none of these theories really matter if they confirm the DNA test that says it's Kaminsky, the Polish butcher. 
I heard that was a crackpot theory. <laughs> it's DNA evidence. He was the leading suspect. And you could be a little more supportive. Of what? Some guy trying to sell books? You contradict everything I say. Oh, please. Don't embarrass I'm me. I'm sorry, babe. Do I embarrass you? I hate it when you start that crap when we're with people. You keep turning the screw. You grody. You said screw. Way past the point that it's I funny. think you just mixed a couple metaphors. And I get flustered. It makes me look bad in oh, front of people. Stevie, I'm sorry. You know, I get punchy when I'm nervous. I mean, sometimes it's funny when it's just us, but then... More sensitive. I'm... Yeah. I am sensitive. I am a sensitive guy. And I love that about you. I'll lay off. <sighs> now I've got one for you. Hmm. Let me talk for myself. What does that mean? It means, let me talk for myself. Just don't embarrass me. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I thought you found it attractive. <laughs> Titillating, even. I love... Everything about you. Come here, you hunk of hunk of burning love. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and lay off the pills. Well, the magic just got sucked right out of this relationship, didn't it? All right, so first, their prescription. And second, they make you a hell of a lot prettier. <laughs> but I won't take them till later if it bothers you. Got anything else? I think we covered it. Ready? I guess. But seriously, keep it short. It takes however long it takes. I try to put a damper on your evening, but we have to leave for the airport at like 4 in the morning, and it's 10 to 12 now. I know, but there's a really cool energy here. I don't think it's cool. I think it's more like the streets remember something. First, don't be ridiculous. Second, we can sleep on the plane. And three, how many chances are we going to get to see... You can sleep on the plane, Stephen. I can stare out the window and pretend I'm fine with the fact that we're about to crash. No, how many chances are we going to get to see... Why would you even look out the window if you're that nervous? I like to watch the wing, just in case no one's paying attention. Anyway, I've seen everything I want to see here. You're the one obsessed with- What can I get you, love? What's this? Uh... Pint of scrumpy, mate. Coming right up, beautiful. And for the lady? Uh, Guinness. Just half pint. Half pint it is. Shoot, I already packed my wallet. I got it. Wouldn't hear of it, love. First round's on me. Thanks awfully, old bean. Not a bit of it, governor. And may I say from all of us across the pond, thanks for taking the time out to learn the language. See, um... I'm pretty sure he was being, oh, you know, how do they say it in English? Sarcastic. You're off your chump, you are. I'm not even sure anyone really says governor anymore. Oh, wait, I forgot to ask about, you know... Oh, my God, were you giving that up? No, no, it's the whole reason we came here. Please, don't, Steve. Barkeep, hello! (sighs) Damn it. He's all the way down to the end of the bar. Come on, let's just sit down. I just need to find out where it happened. Cheers, mate. Well, cheers yourself. (laughs) Steve Hollander, at your service. Oh, Lane. Sorry, Hollander. (laughs) Hugh Elliott. I hazard a guess from that adorable accent you'll visit us to our little island. Righto. And what exotic lands do you call home, you lovely? Minneapolis. Brilliant. Hey, Susan, come meet this lot. Hello, love. Hello to you, love. Hi. They're from Minneapolis. Yeah? Where's that, then? That's America, that is. 
That's right, isn't it? Right. Yeah, I thought so. So, you're visiting someone? No. We're on our honeymoon. Uh, this is our last night. Well, they say it's got to end sometime, doesn't it? Well, we've been here two weeks already. Mm-hmm. Come on, then. Let's see the ring. Sure. Huh. Oh, very swank. <laughs> Thanks. It's supposed to go green like that. What? That's a $10,000 ring. Well, look at you, mate. But bought at a discount of $16.99. I have a friend who sells them wholesale. Let me know if you need any jewelry. Sure. Could always do with a bit more. Well, give me your number and I'll ring you. Mm-hmm. I'll call him when we get in. We're flying back to the States in a few hours. Well, you must be running out of things to see if you stopped off here. <gasps> Unless... Unless... Come on, Susan. Unless you're looking for himself. Leave him alone, you silly cow. Oi. Oh, okay, we get it. Let's go, Susan. No, 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 wait. I want to know who... Nah, she just means some people... Americans, I... mostly. Wankers. Great word. I need to write that one down. Now, what does it mean? Tell you later, Some lad. people... Given the pub's history, oh, see. I say that reminds me. Oh, no. Come around asking what for. What can you tell me about Jack the Ripper? <laughs> <laughs> and we have a winner. Well, nice to meet all of you. Ah, but... oh, yeah, keep your seat, love. Keep your seat. We're just having a laugh. Your man is not the first to ask the question, but you're in luck now, aren't you? Because tonight we have in our midst old Jim. Marley. Oi, Jim. <coughs> Old Jimmy is an authority on all things Jack. I've heard his great-granddad was well-placed with Scotland Yard back in the day. But more than that, some claim his great-great-grandmum was one of the big five. Can't see that he'd spend much time on rumours of the sort, but the tale he'll tell any man, woman or creature alive that asks. And I've never met a soul who knows more about it. And speaking of himself... Cheers, Jimmy. <coughs> What's all this about our sausage, Jackie, then? Um, so we, that is Alma and me, were visiting London Dungeon, and I was telling Alma that um, I was there in the 80s, and it was less of a theme park ride and more of a museum with, you know, a medieval torture rack and the axe that killed Anne Boleyn. Yeah, much better than the shite they got now. And when I was there, it was exactly a hundred years after Jack the Ripper. And I, I wanted to see Whitechapel, but never got to go. So Alma said, Tell me something, boy. Before we set off on a proper chinwag, why do you think people to this day go on and on about a handful of murders that may or may not have been committed by one man a hundred years ago? Well... <laughs> They were pretty violent. No more than most. Murder be, by definition, a violent act. Though I grant not always bloody, but they were plenty just as bloody. What's more, at that time Whitechapel raked in its share of murders already, and continues to rake in its share today, like every street in London. Well, the police didn't catch him. Nor are most murderers or thieves in this world caught. And that's not the truth of it anyway. The truth is it were never known whether or not the murderer was caught. Uh (sighs) Uh-huh. So, the press. What? Spot on. How those newspapers sold, by God. And the legend. Well, Mr. Tom Bulling likely kept that alive in his articles with the likely fabrication of letters, wherein... 
Jack named himself the Ripper. But the letter from hell were almost certainly penned from the hand of the killer, the letter in which were placed the kidney of the Eddowes woman. Whether the letters were faked or no, we don't know. And we won't know, regardless of what Mr. Edwards would have you believe. Edwards? Tosser with a new theory. You mean about the Polish butcher? Quiet, you, and back in your place. (laughs) Huh. The newspapers kept the story going because they realised, for the first time, mind you, the true impact that ink would have on their pockets, so long as it stayed wet, even if the blood did not. And therein lie the real reason we remember it as we do. As the lady rightly pointed out, because it were the first of the sensationalist murders. It were all the more terrifying when they sussed out no motive could be gleaned, since he clearly weren't acquainted with those he silenced. Unusual in those days, thus giving rise to the concept that Jack were the granddaddy of all those we call serial killers. And also because, for the first time in London's history, a majority of your populace could read. So, you're right. And no mistake. Well, thank you, I think. Uh, What's more, the Whitechapel murders weren't just the five. There were eleven counted. But that's all anyone cares about. Nor does anyone remember that Leather Apron's first victim... That'd be Fairy Fay. Fairy Fay, my hairy ass. Fairy tale Fay, more like. The first victim likely got away with stab marks in her calves. Though Miss Millwood still died of natural causes ten days later at age 38. A ripe old age for many at that time. Wow. That's like just a lot of information, isn't it? But it's not what you want to hear, is it, lad? No, you'll want to hear about the blood seeping under the fog on the whetstone streets. You'll want to know about the same five murders most foul done in the unfortunate ladies of the evening. Just pop off and look it up on Wikipedia, why don't you? My iPhone doesn't... Damn Wikipedia! Well, boys, I'm off for a slash and a fart. You must understand that we're talking about lives here. Lasses that lived and struggled and and ended in terror and agony and blood. They found the body of Mary Ann that were called Polly Nichols in the wee hours on a Friday morning. August it was, over on Durwood Street, that used to be Buck's Row. A sad end to a sad life, spent in workhouses and alcohol. Most likely her living soul were traded for three pence or a glass of gin. I've had my dose money three times today and spent it. She were last seen by a friend in the street, drunk on the devil's milk, looking for wages enough to find a bed for the night. Her throat had been sliced clean through twice, five teeth knocked out, and a tongue cut. Signs of suffocation because first he let them lift their skirts so their hands were occupied. Then he sprung out quick like, cut off their air so they couldn't call out. 
Below her belly, he tore her near in two. And there were other cuts round her stomach, stabbings more like, pushed in and wrenched down. Come look over here. There's a woman. Those what got there first said she was just expelling her last when they found her. Call the doctor Llewellyn. And someone fetch an ambulance. Very sad, that. She were well-liked, too. It is sad. You sure know your subject. I thought I knew a lot about it, but blimey, uh-uh. hats off. <laughs> you want to watch something really brill? Get pissed one night and wind him up slagging off the spitfires. Aye. And you'll be on hands and knees searching for another bicuspid if you don't shut that foul mouth of yours. What's the spitfires? Who let this stick get into my country? Is it a band? What's he on about? Cricket club, mate. Best let it rest now. Wasn't the second victim killed in someone's backyard? Aye. Annie Chapman. She had only started lending her body out after the death of her so-called husband. She were a stout lass. Most said she were about done in from tuberculosis or syphilis or some other such thing. And that, in addition to losing a fight to another last days before, what left her poorly. But she were mainly concerned with making sure she'd have somewhere to lay her head after going out for the night. Sufficient money for me bed, but don't let you can find money for your beer, and you can't find money for your bed. Truth be told, she liked to rum, and had a reputation of drinking heavy. But that night. Not a single drop in her system were enough to numb the pain of what would follow at number 29 Hanover Street. Will you? Yes. Miss Annie was seen, so the tale goes, at 5 and 30 in the a.m. with a man of shabby genteel appearance. Though in truth the woman what saw them together only saw the back of him. Young Albert the carpenter were using the loo next door, which at that point were outside, when he heard what he thought were voices, and a woman says, but he heard no more, and took his leave. After all, it were a personal matter, and no business of his. Two cuts to her throat took out a windpipe, though it had most likely been partly crushed by that time to quiet her. And once done, he'd done it proper. Them that were there say her gut were cut into pieces, laid across her shoulders. You could see clean through her midsection into her organs, except that what was missing, which were a portion of the bladder and the uterus of the woman in question. At 6am, Mr. Davis, who lived on the third floor of number 29, ran across the body in the backyard, knees out and left arm over a chest, like she was posed. He ran off and told the police before Annie stiffened up. Oh God, I've never seen the like. Now old Jackie's up to his new tricks, for he'd laid aside the rugged blade used on Polly and switched to something what cut clean and quick. A long, thin blade, the coroner said, and went as far as to point out that he couldn't have done the job so neat 
nor in so little time, so that whoever done it knew what he were looking for. Some say it were a doctor. Some say it were the devil himself. But whatever it were, poor Annie were gone. And this pub right here were the last place she drank her health. Or so they say. I need to take my pill. Did he ever come in here? Sure, if he liked a good pint. But there's no record. Though there were them fine ladies who claimed to see him in the Prince Albert. Gone now, God love it. The blood's still on his sleeve. I'm popping off for a topper. Back in two shakes. I'm gonna be sick. Are you supposed to take those with beer? It just says with liquid. Helps me relax. You shouldn't take too many. I keep telling you, they're prescribed. Lighten up, Stephen. But you promised. You already took one after supper. Did I? Yeah, that and one called Vi... Vivactyl, it's fine. Oh, see? You look sexier already. I just think that if you... Let me see if I got this right. You won't let me talk, you ignore me completely, and you feel no remorse whatsoever about breaking our deal. Now suddenly you're counting pills like Rain Man? I haven't been ignoring you. You made some promises of your own. Well, I don't let you talk. You cut off my last three cents. As soon as we cent- get back, I'm buying you a new jacket. I hate Four. that jacket. Can't what time you just. Is it? Mm. I'm ready to go. Well, now you're doing it but on every. I will miss marmalade. The stuff we have is nothing. Hey, cool it! Serious. And that's why I don't like you taking so many pills. All right there, miss. <laughs> She's fine. Just a little worked up, but it's okay now. Might want to keep it down a bit, mate. No good starting around. Louie pooey, that's what I'd say to that. Right then, Jim. Let's have the rest of it. Only if the lady allows for it. She's... I'm fine, thanks. I don't want to be a wet blanket. You daresn't be ashamed of being squeamish, lass. And you'll surely want to brace yourself as those events what followed would take the heart out of a mountain, let alone a kind soul such as yourself. Thank you. It wouldn't be fair of me to spoil it for the others. And that goes for every ugly mug present. Be warned, and take in a deep breath afore I speak another word. Because many a sane man have lost their way down the path we set foot upon now. You've been listening to Campfire Radio Theater. Tonight's tale, Rip, is part one of our October offering and was written and directed by Blaine Hicklin. Our series is produced by John Ballantyne. Featured in the cast were Rish Outfield as Old Jim, Gertie Steele as Alma, Alan Steele as Stephen, David Alt as Hugh, Caitlin Snedden as Susan and Polly Nichols, 
and Robert Cudmore as the barman and the murderer. Also featured were Matthew McLean, Wendy Bilton Arbuckle, and Jim Balfour. Music by Kevin Hartnell and Kevin McLeod. Vocal arrangements performed by Lisa Graves-Taylor. Sound design by Blaine Hicklin and John Ballantyne. Additional sound courtesy of Free Sound Project. Mixing and post-production by John Ballantyne. Visit us at campfireradiotheater.podbean.com and on Facebook at Campfire Radio Theatre.